hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Not D&D, which is brought to you by EN Live, which is part of EN World, the leading tabletop news and review site. Uh, I'm your host, Jessica, and with me this week, I have Sophie from Evil Hat Productions. Sophie, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Um, could you give us... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this week, we're going to be all talking about uh, the Fate core system. Um, but could you give us, Sophie, a little introduction to what you do at Evil Hat Productions? Uh I started by writing and then I did uh, for a few years some project management on a number of uh, of books that uh, you've seen. And now for <laughs> the duration of the pandemic, more or less, I've been uh, working on the digital aspect, uh, for, including, uh, of course, posting the PDFs to drive through RPG and itch.io, mm -hmm. but more importantly, uh, you know, creating modules on virtual tabletops uh, for Roll20 mm -hmm. and facilitating for uh, other uh, platforms as well that are less well known. Amazing. So making sure people can play the games online, which is the important bit, really. <laughs> yes. And it's fun because it's creative. I get to do mm -hmm. you know what I want with the module to make it look uh, look pleasant and useful. Fantastic. Well, we're all very excited to hear. Uh, and thank you for coming on because we know you're very busy because Evil Hat did very well at the Ennies. Lots of awards. So congratulations to you and uh, the whole team at Evil Hat of that. Um, like I said, if we are be talking about, um, we're talking about the fake core system here. Uh, <laughs> yes, I've got all the books there out of the awards. Uh, so we're talking about the fake core system. If you are watching live and you have any questions, please feel free to put them in the comments and we will answer them live on the show for you, for myself or Sophie, uh, about the system here. Um, but before we get into talking about the game, I always start by uh, kind of talking about the guest's background. So, um, Sophie, what was the first tabletop RPG you remember playing? Uh, it was Advanced Dungeons and Dragons mm -hmm. in 1982, three. <laughs> oh, wow. So you've been playing games for a long time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. And um, so... Of, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons is such a classic to start on. So many people do, um, but now you you play and run so many different games. So, what was that journey like um, to being somebody that, that plays and enjoys games to somebody that you know works in the industry doing all the things you do? Well, for the longest time, I it was just a hobby. Uh, I started when I started. Uh, it was at the 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 club at the engineering department of uh, university. Uh, University of Montreal, and so mm -hmm. uh, every week, and you, <laughs> engineering departments produce a lot of geeks. So <laughs> it was okay. a, a well-attended yeah. club. So mm -hmm. every, I think it was Thursdays, we would uh, have some forty to sixty uh, of us. So we there was a lot of games to try. So immediately after, I got to try Middle Earth role playing. Uh, mm -hmm. 007, Top Secret, Traveler, yeah. you know, all of those. So I've never had a single game in mind. So I've always yeah. been interested in a lot of games. And in the, the, there were some uh, some big strides in the, in the 80s and 90s. And around 2000, we started getting uh, indie games that also brought mm -hmm. a fresh look. Uh, so I've always enjoyed the cross-pollination between different games. Mm -hmm. I was and saying that's why I started doing this show, really, to get 
get people talking about all these amazing games um yeah. sorry you're saying so how did that how did you start um working professionally in the industry like you do now well, uh, largely thanks to uh, the, the support to fandom that the internet started providing, made us uh, able to uh, to know one another from uh, you know across the world, yeah. and uh, start doing things like you know sharing some maybe some play aid you created, mm-hmm. uh, and then blogging and uh, and also I volunteered for, well, I still do uh, for uh, conventions, some key conventions. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so that got me to know a lot of people. So when I approached Evil Hat with an idea for something to do with the recently published new version at, uh, of, of Fate at the time in yeah. 2013, uh, they said, well, that doesn't quite fit, but we have another idea and you'd be perfect for that. Amazing. So that's how I started uh, doing professional work. And then I wrote for some other publishers as well. Uh, and the relationship with Evil Hat has been great. So I've done a lot of things with them and for them. Oh, yeah. What sort of things uh, have you done at Evil Hat? You briefly mentioned in the intro of it, but if you could tell us yeah. a bit more about that. Well, uh, I'm uh, in a pinch, you know, I'll help on, on I can, I'm able to help on a lot of things um, mm. from, you know, proofreading, uh, uh, the occasional uh, little editing, the project management skills, mm-hmm. uh, in which I had formal training. Mm. Um, and uh, I also have a good eye for at least coming up with a mock-up of a visual concept and then mm-hmm. uh, pros like Fred Hicks or now we're, uh, we use other layout artists. Uh, and uh, the mm-hmm. one currently that I work most with is uh, Chris Viana from Brazil. Mm-hmm. And it's, so they, they are able to take these and make them pretty. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, an important skill definitely in tabletop RPGs for sure. Um, so, talking a little bit about uh, kind of fate, as you mentioned, so you joined, um, started working with Evil Hat in 2013 when um, when the system, you know, was you know kind of rege- regenerated. But it kind of started in the early kind of 2000s. Um, and the main thing, um, if you if you could give people a summary about what what is the fake core system. How would you describe it to people? Well, the current version is, I would say it's a, it's a system that's fine-tuned to take the story you're telling and as you need it, use mechanical bits to make it, uh, to make it in, a, a work in a more structured way than just a general agreement, yeah, this is what the story should do. So mm-hmm. if you have met some of the very open-ended games uh, like Universalis or uh, yeah, Fall of Magic, this, this sort of very narrative game, uh, they, they're fun, but they can be difficult for some types of players because they don't really give you an answer for who who has the most success in this situation uh, how does the story f- unfold from there uh, so this this fate core uh, is a good transition for 
people who come from a much more structured background, but instead of making the, the numbers on the character sheet the primary thing, and then after you've rolled, explaining it in narrative terms, it's mm -hmm. a toolbox to take your narrative, uh, narrative impetus and, and mechanize it gently so that it actually makes sense in, uh, in numbers. Definitely, I love the sound of that. Um, one of the things when I, Fate was one of the games I started playing when I first started playing role-playing games, which was close to 15 years ago now. Uh, so it was a system I started on um, and then, and one of the things that interested me about it is that the dice are very different from normal ones. I have some here. Mm -hmm. So um, they are kind of six-sided dice with like pluses and minuses on. Um, and they were called, and for the longest time, I people referred to them as fudge dice and I didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so could you explain, Sophie, why in Fate these are called fudge dice and, and, and how we use them in the game? Well, fudge was a, a game created uh, earlier, which used uh, the those uh, dice that have two mm -hmm. pluses, two minuses, and two blank faces, or mm -hmm. they may be marked with a symbol, but they're worth zero. Mm -hmm. uh, and with the idea that whenever you rolled against a, a with a skill or against a difficulty, on average, you the expected average value would be plus zero. So that if you had a skill that was rated at I don't know plus four, uh, you had a reasonable expectation that on average you would probably do decently well against a difficulty mm -hmm. of plus three and have trouble versus a plus seven. So that was the the the, the basic uh, 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 statistical uh, idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and Fate, the original Fate was not published, was not shared with the general public, but then the version 2.0 uh, was was shared as a freebie online, and it was uh, it was presented as a way to use uh, fudge in a more narrative way, in a more um, mm -hmm. story driven way, and that's what was behind the, the mm -hmm. as you mentioned spirit of the century, and later on the Dresden Files. Yeah, the Dresden Files is where I kind of jumped in and saw it because I'm a fan of the books. And I've got to say, um, the, the the book, um, the, the current Dresden File book as well that's out, um, really is great for fans of that system. It's not just, you know, sometimes you get RPGs where the theme's kind of put on and it's fine, but this has been really lovingly made. So people, you know, people that wrote that knew Dresden as well, and it blends so well with the system, and it's such a lovely book. So I have a, a lot of praise for that. Um, but talking about uh, one of the things I really love about the system um, is the way there's group dynamics and about character generation. Because for me, one of the things I love about role-playing games is the interaction between different characters and those relationship dynamics. And Fate is a fantastic system for building them. Um, so Sophie, could you talk us through how, how character gen works in Fate? Well, it's assumed that uh, most uh, fate games, or at least campaigns, will start with a group agreeing on the setting and building the, the setting as uh, as they go, and mm -hmm. as part of that, building their characters so they'll work within the setting so that you'll be connected to important characters or, or characters become important because they're connected to your player character. 
uh, and the player characters are have relationships between them. So, mm -hmm. and that part is considered play. It's not, it's not, um, you know, you go home and make a character by yourself yeah. and, and, you know, then share it with the group. And then the poor GM tries to <laughs> stitch them, it. But yes, you all meet in a tavern. Mm -hmm. So, yes, for us, uh, character creation is play. Mm -hmm. And so you uh, you will have sometimes prompts like questions uh, in the base uh, fate. There's usually uh, the one of the key concepts is aspects, and aspects mm -hmm. are little descriptors about your character, but also about other elements in the game. Your character uh, starts with at least two aspects, and from the, the start, you can have up to f five aspects by default. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and the first is if you if uh, if people squint, they can probably read the gray uh, titles in the in the first two boxes. The first is your high concept, so it's mm -hmm. your character in a nutshell, such as uh, blind swashbuckler or. Uh, beleaguered banker uh, mm -hmm. fleeing, fleeing justice uh, although that might get into the trouble because the second one is something that uh, it's still uh, true and you can still use it for a lot of things but the primary thing you're, you're going to use it for is getting in trouble and earning some of the currency of fate points that will help you do some extraordinary uh, things later. Mm -hmm. But it also, it has to be something that gets you in trouble. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the next three, depending on the flavor of fate, whether it's dress and files or, you know, uh, um, atomic robo or, and so forth, they mm -hmm. may have different description or requirements, but, uh, in the base uh, core rules, there, there are the three opening chapters of your adventure as a group. So mm -hmm. all three of them uh, will relate to an adventure, uh, so something you, you shared uh, with another character in the group. And you're going to take, preferably, different characters for, uh, for each. And mm -hmm. the aspect is something maybe you learned from that or something you took away from that that encounter and what, whatever uh, high adventure you had together. So that when you start, you've, uh, when you start rolling dice, your characters know one another and they've got some, uh, some backstory together. So maybe some friendship or some rivalry. Mm -hmm. So that's... Uh, that's the key to that group character creation. It's wonderful and it? it works so well. And um, I know I've used that kind of, even with other systems, I've used that sort of concept with creating characters because it's just straight away you, you have an understanding of how you're going to role play and interact with that person. And, uh, and yeah, and as you say, it's part of the game, sitting there and, and making your character is, is, is something you're already playing before you've even, even started. Um, and you can have really good fun with these aspects for how they kind of work in the game. Because um, we had... Um, do you want to talk about how you tag the aspects a bit more when other people can do that and, and how that sort of works in the game? Well, an aspect is... A good aspect is something that uh, that is 
specific enough it's not it's not too vague it it gives mm -hmm. the uh, a handle on what your character is like and what is likely to happen to your character mm -hmm. and ideally something that can be used both for and against the character so mm -hmm. um saying um you know i'm a, i'm a, a venetian merchant yeah. That's not bad, but uh, if you are an impoverished Venetian merchant, it might be more interesting. Uh, it yeah. might have a little more uh, hooks to uh, to get you uh, you to get those fate points by getting your character in trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it also gives you an advantage. You will probably know about the uh, the, the value of jewels, or if I'm mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a Renaissance setting, uh, sure. or you will have uh, you, you will have some nautical knowledge. You know how do ships work, and how long does it take to to travel to Constantinople from here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's um, a campaign some of my friends had, which uh, they this the campaign was like seven years ago I think they still talk about it and one of the aspects that was used all the time was great was one character was playing a very kind of religious character and one of their aspects was feet first God will provide mm -hmm. uh, and that was great so it meant all the other characters if there was a situation that was a bit risky that no one else wanted to step in to do they go oh here you go feet first God will provide there you go you can <laughs> go and do that and so it was great for encouraging role play and the, the story um so yeah so that's it so an aspect like that is really good so that it's open but it also meant obviously it tied in with his all his religious knowledge and and moments mm. perhaps when their god would provide for them in some situations so i think aspects are a wonderful way to encourage role play and it can help you if you're a little unsure of who your character is you have these kind of cornerstones that you know or oh, if i act in this way i know i'm i'm going in the right direction for my character yeah, what would my character do? And mm -hmm. you don't have to come up with all of them as you start. Uh, you mm -hmm. can start gently and add them in play until you fill your complement of five mm -hmm. uh, as you discover who your character really is. Mm -hmm. um, um, we've got the character sheet on screen for those watching the... Um watching the live stream if you're listening to the podcast you can use theater of the mind and imagine it uh but we still have a section of aspects which we talked about and then maybe perhaps we move on and talk about skills so we've already talked about kind of the dice and how you how you would roll to if you're trying to do something and the pluses and minuses say how much success you have how do skills kind of fit into that and how do character people choose them during character jam well, skills come from the more traditional uh, side of gaming, I think. Mm -hmm. that, that, at least that's, that's my opinion. Sure. Um, they, uh, they're fairly familiar. We un uh, if we have started with D&D and its brethren, we, we understand what uh, stealth will be like or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, fighting and so forth. Yeah. And... So that gives you a numerical value, and the, in in fate, typically they're going to be a little pyramid. That means that you will start with one skill, uh, one high skill at the apex, and then you will have a the, the the as you go down the the value, you will have more skills. Uh, yeah. 
So a, a, a smattering of things that you're not great at, but you uh, mm -hmm. you dabble and so forth. But um, they're dangerous too because if you come from a, a skill-driven game, very often players that are making that switch will mm -hmm. concentrate on skill value and will look at uh, you know for example I need to open a door and I don't have burglary and mm -hmm. or it's low and so you know the the player becomes disgruntled because I don't have the right skill and yeah. that that is a, a a trap we should avoid. Mm -hmm. uh, what I was saying that the aspects and how you do things are, are what matters. So mm -hmm. the the challenge uh, in, in fate should never be, do I have the right skill? Mm -hmm. If I need to accomplish this, how am I going to do? What could I do to accomplish it? Yes. So, for example, a person who was not good at this sort of thing but had the gift of gab might uh, talk their way into being let in or into yeah. having somebody else open the door for them. Somebody who was strong might simply break down the door. And mm -hmm. maybe the consequence then uh, would be that they make a lot of noise or that they can't close the door behind them when somebody pursues them. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's important is uh, how the, the story goes. But the skills are uh, uh, useful to, to know what your character does, what, what's their, their go-to ability, what are they a specialist in. Mm -hmm. In the, the Fate Accelerated version, which has, uh, is, uh, as the name indicates, a, a quick pick-up-and-go, learn the system as, uh, as you play version, yeah that was released at, uh, at the same time, uh, instead of having skills, you have what is called approaches. Uh, they go something like uh, careful, clever, forceful, uh, sneaky. Uh, there's, there's six of them. Um, and I like them better to introduce people to the system. Okay. Because they don't say, do I have the skill to do this? What the, an approach says is, how would I do this? What's my, yeah. my style when I do this? Sure. So it's a good way to get in the, 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 the spirit of the game. Yeah, I think um, for me, because I played Fate so early on with role-playing, it really encouraged me to approach role-playing generally in the way you just described of not saying, oh, I have this skill and it's that thing, so it matches, so I'll do that. It's more about how can I get around this obstacle? And also, what can I convince uh, the person running the game that I can have <laughs> bonuses for this? I'm like, well, if I do it like this, does it count with this skill because of da-da-da? And does this aspect kind of fit in there? And da-da-da. So I think that style of role play is kind of what's informed me for any system I use using this. So I think it's, I think Fate is an excellent system for any role player to certainly try because I think not only is it a great system to use for lots of different games, I think it, 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 it really encourages you to role play in a, a specific way um, that that will be helpful for any other role play setting that you have. Um, we're we're talking through the character sheet um, a little bit here because I've got it up on the screen, so it makes sense to do that. Um, so I don't know, Sophie, if you could talk us through the other areas on the character sheet we've got here. So we've gone through kind of aspects and, and skills. Um, could you talk us through um, the other pieces that we do when we create a character and play the game? Well, another important piece of information uh, on your character are the stunts. Mm -hmm. And you can have up to three for free when you start a, a character, typically. Mm -hmm. 
but again, there may be things you discover in play. Uh, and a stop is something that gives a special twist to your character, very often centered on a particular skill, mm-hmm. but it will do one of two things. It will give you a little mechanical advantage, usually uh, a plus two to some skill action or approach action in narrow circumstances. So for, perhaps uh, it would be, um, and then a stunt might be, uh, but I am, uh, but I am not left-handed, and <laughs> you might get a, a plus two to uh, to do the first attack against uh, an another character with your your sword when you suddenly switch hands. Mm-hmm. The nice. first time, I would give the only the first time because. Surprise, yeah. Yes. The other thing that you can have from a, from a, a stunt is a little rules exception. For mm-hmm. example, uh, being able to use a different skill in, instead of the one that would be norm- nominally called for. For example, um, you have, say you are, you're, you're playing a, a big character uh, who is the Brute Squad, and mm-hmm. You will uh, it, you will have um, a good physique in that case, right? Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> and uh, typically, scaring somebody would be a, a provoke role, but mm-hmm. you may have a stunt that that says that um, you are you are big and impressive, for example. That would allow you to use your physique score instead of the of provoke, uh, because the way you do it is is not to, through your your uh, your wits and your your personal uh, uh, mm-hmm. ability with words, but it's through being being big and scary. Yeah. And another type of little rules exception is being able to do something quite out of the ordinary once per maybe per scene or per per episode depending on how potent it is mm-hmm. uh, so for example um once per episode and because you are the dread pirate roberts you mm-hmm. can call on some of your sailor minions that uh, and they they will come to your aid that's not in a movie <laughs> fantastic with stunts um of course when we're playing fate it can be the fate core system can be any setting you like um so you can play any genre um but let's say we're playing a a pirate campaign like you just said because that is something i've actually done um uh we're going to be doing some fighting and and things like that so when kind of bad things happen to our characters um there's like physical stress and, and mental stress on the sheet and consequences could you talk us through um how that works when we're playing the game so physical and mental stress, uh, and in some uh, uh, variants, in some specific settings, you may also have social stress or other kinds mm-hmm. of stress. But uh, there are ways that you you take the hit uh, mm-hmm. when you're in a conflict or when uh, when some something bad happens, uh, and stress. You have a, a limited quantity of it, but it will be cleared at the end of the scene. So there, uh, f- uh, for example, if we look at physical stress, 
Mm -hmm. uh, you may, you may be, uh, you know, it's just a scratch. Uh, it, it, so your character looks battered and bruised as, as you're marking off the stress you're taking, which are points of, of damage essentially from, uh, from your opponent. But it's, it's Hollywood, uh, cosmetic, yeah. right? At the end of the mm -hmm. season, it all comes back. Consequences are another way of taking that damage, but now that stays longer with you. And mm. a consequence is a little aspect, uh, but it's an aspect that your adversaries invoke against you. Mm -hmm. um, so they, uh, a mild one is to, uh, two points, where, uh, so it will absorb two shifts of damage. Um, and, a, and we have a, a moderate at four and a severe at six points mm -hmm. each. So um, a mild consequence might be, and for physical, might be a twisted uh, ankle. Um, if for a, a mental one, it might be um, befuddled or mm -hmm. so, uh, something that 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 is uh, not too uh, too dangerous, too generous, sure. and then uh, it, they might increase in in. If instead it was a moderate, if you had to basically take your four points through a consequence, uh, it might be a, a, a fractured femur or um, a um, maybe a bad reputation or wanted by mm -hmm. the police and, and so forth. And the more, uh, the more severe the consequences, the longer it will stay with you. So instead of disappearing at the end of the scene, it will last at least through the episode, and then it can start healing at the, uh, the next uh, milestone, moving uh, <coughs> up from, you know, from one notch. So a severe consequence will stay with you for a long time because it may mm -hmm. be uh, an entire story arc or two, before you can uh, you can clear it entirely serious stuff then <laughs> um so i think we talked a lot about the kind of the mechanics of fate and, and how that works um but as as we said the whole point of the mechanics in fate are meant to be that they get out the way so you can focus on role playing and, and telling telling your story um so I, I found it works well as a one-shot or as a campaign. Um, so if people were looking at this and looking to, to try using the Fate system, what advice would you give to players looking to, to run a game using Fate uh, for the first time? Uh, start small. Don't feel like you have to include every rule right from the top. You can build to a more complex game. So, for example, the I don't have one in front of me, but the basic rules of Fate... Mm -hmm. uh, fit on a bookmark, uh, and <laughs> when I went to convention before in the before times, uh, I always had a stack of them, and I would give one to every player because mm -hmm. what you really didn't, needed to know on how things work all fit on a bookmark. I've run many games with just that without having to crack a book open, um, but for a, a beginner. Starting with uh, reading Fate Accelerated, it's a small mm -hmm. book, it's inexpensive, um, and uh, by the way, the PDF versions of both of Fate Core, Fate Accelerated, and the more uh, recent um, updates, uh, Fa <coughs> Fate Condensed, mm -hmm. all three of them are available for pay what you want, uh, or including zero. 
so it's only the, the physical books you have to pay for. Um, and that, that, that Fate Accelerated being a slim volume with just the basic rules is really good to get started and concentrate on what's important to, mm -hmm. to master the system. And then when you want a GM advice, edge cases, complex, uh, more complex rules for more complex scenes, then you can go to the Fate Core book. You can go to one of the many uh, toolbooks. We have toolbooks on a variety of mm -hmm. specific topics. Yeah, that's great. Um, I've put the link if you're watching live in the chat there. And if you're listening to the podcast, the link is in the show notes where you can take a look at those games there. Uh, and as Sophie mentioned, you can pick those up for pay what you feel. So um, if it's something you're interested in, but, you know, cash is an issue right now you can pick up those versions uh for what's kind of appropriate for you to pay at the moment um talking about the fate accessibility toolkit i do have to say congratulations because just last week uh you won the any awards uh for that could you talk about i uh, <laughs> oh, was it silver yeah you won the award yeah. well it's still an award-winning thing <laughs> so congratulations yeah and it's been nominated for last year's nebula uh, that mm -hmm. we did win this year with the thirsty sword lesbian so uh -huh. you know we, we feel like uh, it's received uh, uh, so, uh, some uh, recognition yeah so um the could you talk us through what's in the kind of accessibility toolkit and 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 how that works if people are looking to kind of use that for uh the important things about oh i got my my image mirrored huh you see it backwards let's oh, see no, if I, no, can... I can okay. i can see that yeah it looks good yeah uh, so it was written by people who had disabilities and a variety of disabilities that they, they, they work with, they deal with. The mm -hmm. creative director was uh, Elsa Sionyason, uh, who also has received nebulas and uh, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, recognition for, for her great uh, skill. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's aimed at uh, it's got a, a couple of different uh, targets. One is to um, make people who deal with disabilities um, mm -hmm. feel more welcome at the table uh, by um, helping others understand how they can they can make the the game better for everyone mm -hmm. involved at the table. Yeah. And the other is to make uh, GMs and players, uh, regardless of the, the, you know, where they come from and uh, their abilities, uh, become familiar with w uh, intelligent and uh, respectful ways to deal yeah. with disabilities in the game. I think um, for for us uh, who are older gamers and have seen a lot of system, several systems uh, early on used, for example, uh, physical disabilities automatically as disadvantages, uh, mm -hmm. mental disabilities as uh, a system where your your character's uh, mental state degrades and keeps getting worse mm -hmm. uh, and mixed and matched illnesses that are that are not the same or attributed mm -hmm. symptoms that are not yeah. correct but uh, this lets you look at disability with a different eye uh, mm -hmm. with uh, to to see 
sometimes it can be an advantage, um, whether it's being able to concentrate and focus on something very strongly, mm-hmm. being able to pay attention to senses that uh, you might neglect otherwise, uh, having some, some assistive devices that can be used for more than just uh, getting around or communicating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it treats of uh, this again as a multi-setting uh, sort of uh, uh, a view. So you can you can think about uh, what would it look like in a cyberpunk setting or in a fantasy setting. Uh, we have mm-hmm. illustrations of uh, see if I can find some of the, um, the 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 wheelchairs, for example, that you could get. Yeah. The, have a prosthesis for you know fantasy and futuristic uh, and all the artists were also had various disabilities so they knew when they were drawing something they knew exactly what it was and yeah like the the, the guy who uh, had a leg prosthesis drew the leg prosthesis so we were we were happy because the the, the people who wrote this did a fantastic job mm-hmm. um it was a lot of work because that covers a lot of ground. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's such a big area, isn't it? So it's um, yeah, but it's and it's. Players told us that made them feel seen and that they were taking this to their group to see. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think it's fantastic to see things like that because I think everybody likes to see themselves in the game and they want to feel that the games they're playing are a welcoming and a place that everybody can come and play. And it, as you say, even for people that don't have any disabilities themselves, perhaps having that is something that's so useful for you to, to make you think of things you hadn't considered. Um, Cause sometimes you don't know something until someone, someone points it out to you and then you think, Oh, of course, why did so simple? Why didn't I, I should have thought of that, but sometimes it, it takes something like that for you to just be made aware of something yes. because it's not your lived experience. Yeah. And being uh, not having a disability is ultimately a temporary state, isn't it? As we oh. age, we all get there somehow. If we're, if we're lucky to age, yes, that's very true. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so that's that's really great to hear. So congratulations on on on, on winning the the Silver Enya Award for that. Um, so we're coming up to near the the end of the hour. Uh, so if you're watching and you have any questions, now is the time uh, to ask them. Um, but Sophie, um, is there anything you'd like to talk about in the Fake Core system that? I've forgotten to ask you about or we forgot to mention or or, or anything like that that, um, that you want to share about uh, about Fate? Well, for Game Masters, it's a really good tool as well. Uh, it's, it lets you take the, the, the ideas that your, your players sit, uh, throw at you and even if you haven't the stats for that person you never thought about that particular character showing up or that monster uh, showing up or you don't know how you know how tough the the door is here when you try to break it down you can do it on the fly you can stat things on the fly you mm-hmm. can stat them very simply you uh, you don't have to have all the skills uh, you know that you can just have skills like bad at talking to people and <laughs> good at running away uh, and you know give give them a, a numerical value that that will be matched with the the the, the kind of uh, difficulty you, your player should get write it down and now you know this about the character and it's allowed me to take a lot of settings 
where the, the, I, I loved what the, you know, the, the game was uh, built around, but I didn't like the systems they were using. They were not comfortable for me to use as a GM. So I, w I ended up, you know, converting the, uh, those to fate very, very easily. And not having a whole lot of work as a GM is a, is a good way to be able yes. to do it more often. Definitely. Okay. Uh, we have uh, had a question come through. So we have another Dresden fan file clearly here. And they've mm -hmm. asked if there are any new Dresden files uh, stuff coming out for Fate. Well, for, for, first I should clarify that there's the Dresden file RPGs, which is a, a big full-size uh, um, trio of books. Uh, uh, your, uh, is it your character, our world, and Paranet Papers? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a, an earlier version of Fate. It, pre it predates the the core uh, issue, mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's got a wealth of material. But uh, uh, in recent years, we re uh, released an, an updated version. The Dresden Files Accelerated, that is a small book, the same, uh, about the same size as this, but perhaps a little thicker. And uh, it provides updated characters. It's a lot simpler to make the characters. It's got a very elegant implementation of the, the fate rules for it. And as far as we're concerned, that is the current edition of Dresden Files. So if the question is, will something come out for the uh, Dresden Files RPG from, what, 15 years ago now? The answer is no. Um, but you can use Dresden Files Accelerated to bring them up to date. There is no plan at the moment for anything further because of uh, various logistic reasons and mm -hmm. because... We've really uh, piled the material, uh, you know, pretty high. So there's mm -hmm. maybe not that much to to add to. But I encourage you to try the version that we released this earlier this year on Roll Twenty. If you are doing virtual gaming, mm -hmm. um, we gave a lot of tools, including all the characters. So the, all those characters are there. You can just uh, use them in your game. You don't have to create them. Because that's the big challenge in the earlier version, character creation mm -hmm. was laborious. Okay, excellent. Um, so I've put the link in the chat, or if you're listening to the podcast in the show notes there for the Dresden Files Accelerated there on the Evil Hat site. So you can take a look at that. And the links to the Roll20 are on that page as well if you want to check that out. Um, that's all on there for Dresden file fans like myself. Um, I really enjoy the the, the Dresden books uh, you make uh, for Fate, so I think that I think they're fantastic for it. So um, I'm sure if you're a fan, you will enjoy those. Um, so if you have any other questions uh, but weren't able to ask us today, I'm sure if you go over to Twitter to at Evil Hat Official, uh, Sophie or one of the rest of the team would be happy to answer your questions about Fate or any of the other books um, that you have. Um, Sophie, I do have one uh, final question for you that I ask all the guests, and that would be what RPG um, recommendations would you have for people that aren't games that you make and that are not Dungeons & Dragons? So what other tabletop RPG systems would you recommend to people to try? Well, for a first-timer or for someone who has played D&D and is looking to play something else but doesn't know what, I would mm -hmm. recommend Fiasco from Bully Pul Pulpit Games. Yes. Um, 
because it's very light. It's it's a, a, a role-playing game, a story game, and uh, on the edge of being a board and card game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is also a really great way to set up a whole new campaign in any system because it creates relationships between characters and, and tensions. And uh, so, and there are a lot of different settings that are available. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good, uh, that would be my go-to for introducing someone to and that's a great recommendation. I've got that book myself. And it's great fun as well if you if you play a lot of role-playing games and you're having kind of a bit of a downtime with your friends mm-hmm. and want something to play in between for that as like a one-shot situation. So that's a great recommendation. Thank you so much. Um, and Sophie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing um, fate with us. Um, we're going to be having Evil Hat back um, on the, the show again uh, next month to talk about Thirsty Sword Lesbians, the multi-award winning game with the best title ever. Um, <laughs> so unsurprising it's done so well. Uh, so we'll certainly be having you back next month in September to talk about that. Um, next week on Not D&D, we are taking a bit of a gear shift though uh, where the game we're talking about is going to be called Anamnesis which is a solo journaling tabletop RPG and I personally haven't done many solo tabletop RPGs um, so this will be really interesting for me to kind of learn more about and if you also haven't tried them um, perhaps come along next week and that'll be wherever you're watching this Monday at 10pm BST or wherever you're listening to this podcast uh, of Not D&D you can catch up with that next week Um, but that's all from us this week Um, so thank you to everyone that came along uh, to watch and to listen and Sophie thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time with us thank you so much for inviting me you're very welcome all right thanks very much everyone bye